Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Pat in Flower Mound, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, a pretty small home, and we put travertine tile in the entry and dining room and hall and kitchen uh, about 18 years ago. And I love that tile, but I am just um, really tired of it looking so (laughs) terrible. And uh, I found a cleaner that works pretty well and got one of those Orbiter floor cleaners but uh-huh. I've been looking I've been looking at the possibility of polishing it and I was wondering what your thought is about how difficult it is to do the diamond pad polishing yourself versus um, hiring somebody well you know the big problem isn't out in the middle of the rooms because you just hook that onto a machine and so you're just going back and forth with the machine but then along the edges, you pretty much have to do that by hand. Um, and that's where you get into the real work. Uh-huh. Because that, that becomes just elbow grease. Okay. So, so But beyond that, it, it's really not it's not difficult. It's just it's just work. It's sweat equity is what it what it'll be. Yeah. And so um, I've seen online that there's the possibility of doing the wet versus dry polishing. Uh Do you have a thought about what would be better? Not really. Um, Most of the time when it's being buffed, there's going to be it's going to be wet uh, in, in order for it to really what the what the water does for you when you when you do it just dry the dust mm-hmm. that is coming off becomes part of the grinding surface and when you use water in it it minimizes the dust from getting throughout the rest of the house plus it helps to actually keep the surface clean to where you know it's not just the the dust grinding on the dust, on the surface, if that makes sense to you. I understand, yeah. Um, And then uh, my last question is, I have one of those uh, Orbiter, um, oh, I'm trying to remember, Auric Orbiters. Um, Is that machine powerful enough to do that, or would I need to rent something? You know, give... It more than likely is going to be powerful enough if you can get the right size heads to go Diamond on. The, yeah. Uh, okay. You know, if you rent a machine, the reason the, the rented machine is going to have such a big, big engine in it is if you look at the size of the pads compared to the two machines. Yeah. Your Oryx is using a much smaller pad, so it doesn't need as big an engine. Okay. Okay. And then if I do the part by the wall by hand, you're just saying get one of the diamond pads and work? Yeah, no, work they do or... They do make some hand machines to do it with, but you're still oh, on okay. your hands and knees to do it. Okay. All right. Well, that answers all my questions. I appreciate it. Now, I will tell you one thing, Pat. Before I would take the time to do all that myself by hand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would make a phone call and get a price from 
a shop that does it. Um, yeah, I've, I've already done that. And I was just wondering about the process of doing it myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, all right. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Take care, Pat. Kent, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you for taking my call, Jim. Oh, my pleasure. I, <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you might know of some information that uh, I don't know about. I'm, uh, I have a property in Frisco, and the yard is long enough that we could park a tiny home there. This particular tiny home is uh, considered an RV because it's got a VIN number. Uh-huh. But the city, the city is saying that it can't be occupied for whatever reason. Um, do you know of any resources that a person could look into or, or any something that we could do to see if we can make that happen? We want a relative to be able to stay in there if they need to. Right. I, I will tell you, you're going to be barking up the wrong tree on that uh, because typically what cities have is a city ordinance against people staying in whether it's a trailer or even a second dwelling on the property, uh, you're probably going to be dealing with two different ordinances in that area. One is the fact that all lots are to be single-family occupied. The other is no mobile homes or travel trailers. And well, so, said, go ahead. Oh, they said that we can park the RV there, right? But, but you can't, just can't, you can't. It just can't be it. occupied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, are you are you looking at putting somebody in it full time or just like on a weekend or something? Probably if we can do it, it'd be nice to have it full time. Yeah. I don't think you'll get that to float through the city. It, mm-hmm. there, and, and it's not it, there's really no state regulations or anything like that that I know of that you could use to to fight that battle. Because, like I said, it's going to be a local city ordinance that's going to be controlling that much like deed restrictions and, and and more than likely it would be a violation of the deed restrictions for the for the area as well huh can is it possible that we might be able to get it zoned multifamily or is that an impossible uh are you task? are you within uh, are you within a neighborhood yes but it's zoned multi-purpose in other words it's zoned yeah uh, a lot of what's there has been uh, deemed commercial, and right. we have a, a renter in the back of our property, and then in the front, it's uh, it's uh, an office space. So uh, it it okay. they they've even. I'm it sorry, it seems to me with 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 what with what you just gave me information wise, uh, it may be a matter of you just getting in touch then with the right people in order to get that change made. If it was, you know, because the, the codes I was talking about is if you're in a neighborhood. But what you're talking about is more than a neighborhood. How, how much ground are we talking about? Uh, the overall property, it's probably at least, uh, let's see, it's 24, uh, 100 feet at least. Okay. 100 feet uh, by what? By about 40, maybe. Okay. So that should be plenty large enough to put an 8 by 24 uh, tiny on that. Mm, I tell you where I would go because you you change the scope a little bit, you know, by oh, by sorry. having a oh no, by having a multi-use property that way kind of changes the scope. Get with your city council men 
Uh-huh. S- sit down and have a talk with them because they're the ones who could push it through. And the place where something like that would, where they would be able to grant you a variance would be through a city council meeting. So okay. if you can get your councilman on your side, he can present it then at the city council meeting, uh, you know, to up for a vote. And if you can get the vote to go your way, you'd be you'd be done. Oh, that's good information. I appreciate that. Okay, Oak. Well, good luck with that, Kent. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear how that went. I'll let you know. All righty. Take care. When it comes time this year to really, you know, get things started and and cleaning up on the house and everything, one of the areas I want you to really consider, because I saw a little article uh, earlier this week as far as cleaning out the, and, and it kept saying, and this was from a, a news company, they kept saying, change the lint filter on the dryer. Well, first, there is not change the lint filter. It's clean the lint filter. But beyond that, that pipe the, the the vent pipe for the dryer, it does build up a lot of lint in there. The, this is one of the number one causes of house fires. So while you're going through and doing all your spring cleanup, don't forget to clean out the pipe this year. You should clean out the lint filter every time you do dry a load uh, in the dryer. But the pipe itself ought to really be cleaned out every year or two. Because even though you clean out the filter, you still get some lint that goes by and builds up in the pipe. And you you don't want to have to worry about that setting the place on fire. Manuel, how can I help you today? I've got a furnace that's making all kinds of noises. Uh, Sounds like some of the metal is loose. Uh, it, It rattles. Yep. How much would it cost to get a new furnace in there? It's a propane furnace. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Is it still heating good for you? Oh, heck yeah. Well, the fact that it's making noises, you know, like rattling noises, right? typically doesn't mean that it needs to be replaced. Okay. Usually that's just an indication that there's a loose panel on it somewhere. Uh, and once that panel is tightened down, it'll quiet up, and as long as it's working fine, there's really not a reason to replace it. Okay. The ones I would start with, you know, if, you, if you're going to actually try to take a look at it yourself. Right. Is this in a closet or up in the attic? Oh, it, it's in a closet. Okay. When you open up the closet, there's going to be an access panel, uh, you know, that you can typically slide up a little bit and then you pull it out to open it up. Right. That door is the first thing to check because those are notorious for starting to rattle. Oh, okay. And, you know, the best thing to do is just have the system running, and if you can put your hand on that door, put a little pressure on it, and it quits rattling, that's it. This is a mobile home. Does that make any difference? None at all. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, inspect it and see what I can come up with. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. You know, there's a lot of things that would justify replacing... Your, your AC system, but normally if it's the heater that's acting up, uh, especially, you know, this one where it's working and it's just, you know, rattling like that, that's usually something that's repairable. You got to get a good repair company out there, though, someone you can trust to take a look at it 
and work on it. That's you know one of the reasons I use Advent because they would tell somebody up front that hey, you don't necessarily need to replace this. Here's what's going on, and this is all it took to fix it. And usually the rattling noises. There's two things that are going to rattle like that. One is going to be if it's the sheet metal on the outside. The other is the fan itself. And there's a couple different types of fans that, that are used. And sometimes it just a blade will come loose. Or if it's a squirrel cage type fan, if a bearing starts going out, it'll wobble when it's spinning and make that rattling sound. Either way, a lot of times it's something that's repairable for very little money. And your system is still up and running and keeps you going. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we want to replace things before their time. Now, if you're dealing with a 25-year-old heating system, yeah, I'd probably be thinking about time to replace it as well. But, if you know, if you're dealing with something that's, oh, 15 years or newer, let, especially if we're talking about a rattle like that, no, nah, let's take a look at what we can do to fix the rattle and keep that system going for another couple years anyways. We were talking with Linda when we left, and Linda, are you there still? I am. Okay, you want to give a quick recap on the question? My question is, we, we have a, a bay house, and we have roll-down shutters, and we have several windows that need, the mainly the lower part of the windows uh, need to be replaced. So we were trying to, to be save a little money and the uh -huh. contractor told us instead of replacing the entire window just have the panels replaced so we were wondering if they could be replaced and resealed it without any worries or what our options were there okay and in general some and this is where it becomes tricky some windows they have a plastic piece that can come off and the glass pack comes out and a new glass pack can be put in other windows, the way they put them together, you end up replacing the whole, the glass and the plastic around the glass. You know, the, the frame in the wall can stay, but you have to order it from the manufacturer, the replacement parts. If that makes sense to you. Sure, but where do we find? I've kind of looked and I don't see the manufacturer on these windows. You you won't unless you take one of the the uh, glass, you know, the sliding part of the glass, remove it, and you will find a tag on there that should tell you who it is. Oh, now, okay. great. And if, if for some reason you don't take that panel into a glass shop and see if they can re replace the glass for you. Take the panel to a glass shop. Okay, they can recharge it to the... No, what what they would end up doing is just taking the, the glass out and putting in a, what's called a glass pack. Because the way the, the, the double-pane windows are put together, it's va basically vacuum-sealed. And when it starts fogging up inside, that means the seal has broke. And okay. so it, it, it there's not a way to recharge them. I have seen some kits... For recharging them but the reviews i've seen on them have just been horrendous so i wouldn't waste my time and money to do that i would just take it to a glass shop and see if they can rebuild or make a new glass pack and put it into that frame if not give america's choice windows a call okay is and it an economical way to go or is it something that you would you would end up paying more in the long run i would price it out both ways 
And, and the reason I say that, some of these glass places, you know, by the time they make the glass pack, put it together and put it in, are darn near as much as getting new windows installed from America's Choice Windows. And just so you've got the pricing, uh, America's Choice does 10 windows for $3,680. So that's $368 a window. If you go into the glass place and they tell you it's $300, you know, you bring us the panels and all that stuff. Well, at that point, you might as well call America's Choice and have all new frames and everything because then all the caulking is redone, everything is redone on the window versus you having to lug everything into the glass shop. But I would price it out both ways before making a decision. Appreciate your time. You bet. Take care. Right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. When we left, I was talking with Janet about water heaters. And uh, Janet, are you there still? Yes, sir. All right. L- let's go through the ins and outs, tankless versus tank. The thing that makes tankless a lot of times more expensive is the installation process because the, and I'm going to use the gas line since since you have gas, the size line that most tank-type water heaters use is only a 3-8 line. The size that most tankless require is a 3-4 inch. Now, some of them have gone down to a half inch now, but typically a 3-4 inch gas supply is what they need. So depending on how far away the installer has to go to get a large enough line to bring over is what really adds to the cost of installing a tank, tankless type water heater. Uh, as far as the cost of the water heaters themselves, a you know for a good tank type water heater, you're typically looking around $800. For a tankless, you're usually looking... I like a Navion system uh, because it, it's just got it, it's a highly highly efficient cert, uh, system. It, it actually vents with PVC rather than double wall stainless steel, which helps lower the cost of the installation. And the reason it's able to use the PVC is because of how efficient it is. It has a small tank on it if you want to use a recirculating system. It just has a lot of great perks to it. And the purchase of one of those, typically you're looking at twelve to $1,400 for the unit itself plus the installation. Does so, it use a half inch? Uh, I think they're still using three-quarter. So what do they have to do? Do they have to come from the main, from the, I guess from the gas meter? Is your, is, your, the, is your water heater in the attic or in the garage? In the garage. Okay. Uh, they would have to go to, a, and, and this is whether it's in the attic or garage, but typically the main lines that run through a house are one-inch lines, and so they'd have to go to where one of the main trunk lines are and bring the line to the tankless. A lot of times, if it's in the garage, there is usually a, a large enough line very close, and when I say very close, it's not unusual for it to be in the wall behind the water heater. Huh. So okay. usually it's not as much as people think it's going to be. Uh, I will tell you up front, though, a typical installation for a tank-type water heater, you know, by the time you pull your permits, if you're going to do this legally now, which is right. the only way to do it, pull your permits, get the water heater, have it installed, inspected, the whole nine yards, you're typically going to be 1800 to $2,200. 
for Whoa. a tank type water heater. How long will it last? It's it's you know, it depends on if you flush it out periodically because that's what's happening with yours right now is it wasn't flushed out. That's why you're hearing that that noise. It may last for several years with that noise taking place. On a tank type or a tankless water heater, it's not unusual for the installation to be about three thousand. Good grief! Yeah, but how long would the tankless last? Typically, two to it's typically double the lifespan. It's not uh, most tankless type water heaters have about a twenty-five year lifespan. Well, that's better than a tank. Yeah. Okay, well, and you said, what brand was that you said? It's a Navion. Navion. Yeah. I'll have to Google it and research that one. Okay. And and is this, is your house in Deer Park? Yes. Call my office, Due West Plumbing. Okay. At 713-475-0004. Okay. And we'd be happy to get you information on it. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And, and, you know, let's face it. There's a lot of different things that will go into those pricings. I'm giving you typically where things fall out. There are some that are going to be much less expensive, and obviously there are some that are going to be more expensive. I'm just giving you ballpark round numbers, averages is all, when I give you these kind of numbers. So, email question. We're having our bathrooms updated and would like to know if our contractor hires subcontractors and, for example, does not pay them, how can we be protected ourselves from liability from these subcontractors if that were to occur? Well, there are some contract things that uh, have to be put in place in order to protect you from that. Uh, So, if your contractor is going to use subcontractors, what you want to make sure of is that the subcontractors are being signed off that they are being paid. Because if they're not, they will come back and try to put liens on the property. And whether the lien sticks or not, let me tell you, you go to sell that place, those liens are a mess. And it may not hit you now. It could be something that hits 30, 40 years from now. And I'm going to give you a quick example. One of, my, one of our offices in, uh, it's actually our Pasadena office down in the Houston area. We were, we were just doing some work on it uh, two weeks ago. Now, when we bought all the different properties that make up this location, because we've got a couple acres there in town, and so we had bought surrounding properties in order to, to do all that. We've torn buildings down, different things like that. We always got title policies. Well, in putting everything together here a couple weeks ago, uh, that did some uh, background checks, there are some old liens from the city where they had come in and done some cleanup on these places back in the 70s, back before we owned it. We had the, po- the title policies taken out, and, you know, that way if there is any liens, it has to be, they, they have to clean it up. And so we did have to bring the the old title policy in to say, hey, we're supposed to have a clear title on this. Do not ever buy property without getting a title policy. It is your protection to make sure that some previous owner didn't have a tax lien, didn't have a lien from the city, didn't have a mechanics lien. And a mechanics lien sounds like a car guy, but it's not. 
mechanics lien is, say they do a home improvement loan, the contractor goes in and signs for the bank as it's called a mechanics lien so that they can put a lien on the property. Uh, typically, now I think the laws have changed now, but it used to be banks could not put a lien on the property. Only the contractor could. And I don't know if that's still the case or not uh, because nowadays most people don't get home improvement loans like that. They, they uh, more do an equity type loan, which didn't used to be legal in Texas. So things have changed, but nonetheless, you want to make sure to have those title policies so that if something ever comes up in the future, you got that to fall back on and they have to clean up the liens. And, and just to give you an example, the, the properties that I'm talking about that had the uh, title liens on them for the cleanup by the city, these were little bitty charges, 35 $50 charges that it had accumulated, but because they went back so far, the interest and, and all that that the city had on there, these little charges came up to $7,000. The title policy, because the properties were inexpensive when we bought them, you know, and the title policy is just a percentage of the purchase price, well, those title policies only cost us like $800. That eight hundred dollar investment is now clearing up those seven hundred or seven thousand dollars worth of lien. It is well worth the money that you spend on a title policy when buying a piece of property. Ronnie, how can I help you? Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. My um, pleasure. Well, you know we have a lot of friends that have. Uh, I guess they're not. I guess they'd be manufactured wood floors. Uh, I have also seen some that are hand scraped, but I'm hearing about this new quote unquote new product that I think is PVC, maybe PVC on the bottom. Um, I guess the, the advantage I've heard is that let's say you were the kitchen were to flood or whatever, you wouldn't have to pull up all the wood. I guess like some some products you do, but I'm, I'm I guess the main question I'm wondering is is it something that uh, a lay person, I guess you could say, like me, could do uh, themselves. Absolutely. Uh, and what okay. you're talking about is some of the, the new flooring that are man-made. They look just like wood. You really cannot tell them from a regular wood floor. They're engineered flooring. Uh, some of them are just water-resistant. Some of them are virtually waterproof. And I got to tell you, I was, I've got a couple pieces that were given to me by Floor & Decor a year ago. And I hauled them around in the back of my truck for a long time, and I just looked at them last weekend because I've, I've got them leaning out against my garage outside. They've been outside for a full year. They still look great. Wow. They, they, they really hold up well. As far as installation, you know, you asked if you, if you can do it yourself. If you were comfortable installing a floating wood floor yourself where, you're, you know, the pieces just click together, this is identical, so there's no no difference. So if you were comfortable with okay. that floor, you would be very comfortable with this floor. Okay, and I, and I guess the key or the the fun part or hard part, depending on how you look at it, I guess would be let's say when you when you come to a corner or you've got a a right angle like a uh, a counter or something that sticks out, and I guess you I guess you basically just make a pattern and then cut from there or yeah. 
Yeah, okay. and typically on these wood floors, uh, whether you know whether it's a uh, man-made like this or a real wood floor, and and I'm not talking just the kitchen. I'm talking everywhere. You don't run it all the way out. You've got to leave a space so the floor can expand and contract with the uh, you know with the temperature changes and such. So you're typically going to have to put either a quarter round or a shoe mold or something like that over it when you install it. Now, gotcha. You can, Otherwise, you can, it'll just bow, I guess. Okay. It, it, exactly. Yeah, they'll they'll okay. buckle up and pop up on you and stuff. But uh, uh -huh. as long as you as long as you leave the gap all the way around, you're just fine with them. Gotcha. Okay. So your cuts don't have to be just spot on. I guess you nope. can kind of cover them. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I was in the glass business years ago, and we, you know, we when you put a full wall of mirrors up, you kind of had that, you know, if you could, didn't cut your hole just quite right or your notch just quite right, you could trim it out if you had to. Yep. So, awesome. yeah, if you if you want to take All a look right. at some of those floors, because uh, go over to floor and decor. They've got multiple locations, uh, and uh -huh. they've got more choices on these floors than any place that I've seen. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care, Ronnie. And welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. I've got a, a really serious situation about flooring. Okay. I've got three dogs. I've taken up my carpet because of the damage the dogs have done. And now I'm walking around on concrete. And what flooring would you recommend? For dogs, I'm sure I will probably always have dogs. I went and checked out some flooring. I wanted ceramic tile, but they told me because I have cracks in my concrete that they could not install a ceramic tile. So I was looking at the 12 by 12 squares, uh -huh. and uh, I really like now that the, the planks that I've seen. Yeah. But I'm afraid that's going to be the same situation. Can you recommend anything? I've had my house leveled, but I've still got the cracks in the concrete. Well, typically, if you know, if they're just hairline cracks in concrete, you still Some should be able to... Some of them aren't. How, how wide are they? Oh, I'd say whew, an eighth of an inch. Okay. You still should be able to put tile down. There is an extra step that they have to go through. There's uh -huh. there's a, a a basically a mat that they can lay down on the concrete first, uh -huh. so it separates the tile from the concrete, and allows the concrete to expand and contract without cracking the tile doing it. Uh -huh. uh, if you go by one of the floor and decor locations, they can show show it to you. Okay. Oh, would you recommend the slats or the planks? No. Well, you know, you're, there's a couple different types on that as well. Are you talking about the vinyl-type planks? No, the uh, ceramic. Oh, the ceramic? I, I, lo I love those ceramic tile floors. That they look, look so like real. Uh -huh. They do. They do. Uh, and you really, for having dogs in the house, ceramic tile is probably going to be your best bet as far as ease of cleaning and all right. that stuff. Now, there is a downside when you have pets in the house to the ceramic tile uh -huh. you got to watch that it because it can be very slick for them yes right i wouldn't want the shiny i'd want yeah. the matte type yeah yep and uh, the nice thing on a lot of the wood plank looking floors is not only do they have a duller finish on it so it's not quite as slick it has texture to it 
as you know the, like the the honed wood will have the the hand scrape type texture to it so it, it it's not as slick for the animals to be walking on okay what about uh when they have to do they have to grout that time that kind of plank? Uh, it depends on the plank you get some of the planks are designed to butt up against each other with no grout some uh -huh. of them you would put a separation with a little grout well, I didn't know what to do, and when they told me they couldn't do it, I was just crushed. So yeah, I will. Try I, to... I think you need to talk to somebody different because that just doesn't sound right. I, I mean, um, you know, I, I have a I own a foundation repair company, and oh. we level houses all the time. And the only time I've told somebody, you know, to avoid different things like that is if they're dealing with a wartime house. Because uh -huh. there, there's no no steel in it, and so the the pieces will literally start opening up half inch and things like that, stair stepping to where one piece is higher than the other. You can't put any type of floor down on that. But uh, you know, for your normal house, all concrete's going to have cracks in it. Okay. Okay. The steel is in it to hold it together when it cracks. So I really wouldn't lose a lot of sleep over that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. And you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, that, that uh, mat that I was talking about, it's a multi-layer system, basically. It's got an adhesive that goes down, then a plastic barrier that goes down, then you're ready to put your mastic down and your tile. So it's a multi-layer system that basically separates the tile from the concrete so it can expand and contract and that's what causes most cracks in the concrete is the expansion and contraction of the concrete tile expands and contracts at a different rate and so that the crack will tend to pop through to the tile but with those mats down you're separating it and you're you're you should be just fine dennis how can i help you today yeah i'm asking about the subfloors of a bathroom is that bottom layer going to be exterior grade are we talking about the wood now on the yeah you lost me for a second one. okay if you're putting in a bathroom no typically if it's inside a bathroom it's it's still just a regular piece of plywood not treated lumber okay i'm not saying that's a good idea because typically when you know bathrooms are some somewhere down the road bathrooms are going to leak but i will tell you most of the time the floors hold up for you know 30 40 years before uh you have problems with them uh it, the the biggest reason people end up having floors rot out is they develop a leak they know it's leaking and they don't take care of it is there more than one layer of plywood uh, in a floor? Well, it depends on the structure, but usually you have two layers of, of subfloor. Um, but it if it's a newer construction, they go with one layer that's thicker. In the old houses, what they used to put down was a uh, one-by layer, like a one-by-six diagonal, and then they'd come on top of that with an, another subfloor and then your flooring then they started going to a two by six type floor uh, now we use plywood on everything and so typically we just get a thicker piece of plywood and put it down in bathrooms however because you're, if you're going to put tile down i usually tell people you need to have at least an inch and a quarter of plywood so whether it's one piece 
or two pieces doesn't matter but you need it so when you walk on it it has no give to it at all or the tiles will crack okay and in 1940 they put three inches of concrete under tile yes so i took all that out but i'm gonna have to build the floor up you know the level yeah and typically you would build that up with two things either with uh a a couple layers of plywood or plywood and then go to a concrete backer board which is what i normally recommend because the concrete backer board helps protect the tile from getting wet and the the uh new did i say tiles the concrete backer board helps protect the wood underneath from getting wet because you can put a vapor barrier between the concrete backer board and the plywood but then Uh the concrete backer board does a better job of the tiles adhering to it okay so any floor would be uh, perpendicular to the joist or a lot run long ways doesn't matter okay all right well thank you very much you bet dennis take care bye yeah by the time you put all the uh concrete backer boards down the plywoods and all that stuff it really doesn't matter which direction the floor joists are running you put your flooring down whichever direction you want to have it just real quick i'm going to do a a email question that came in here because it's kind of an interesting one i'm going to paint the brick on my fireplace and have a few questions it's currently a brown color with darker grout and i want to paint it to a lighter color not stark white but a shade of white i'm planning to seal prime it first after cleaning of course then paint do i need to use any special type of primer or paint or just interior paint also i would really like or i would really like it to still look like brick not just solid white so is there a technique i need to use to get some texture dimensions to the brick it's not a big fireplace so i am fine if I need to do something that is kind of time consuming. Well, there actually is some great techniques for this. First of all, the primer you need to use is for masonry. Don't use a regular primer, but the paint you use can be your regular household paint. That will be fine, but the primer has to be the right one for masonry. After you've primered it, the whole thing's gonna be white, basically. Then you can put whatever color you want as the base. And if you wanna add texture to it, you take whatever color you want to use for texture. Let's say your base is white, use brown for texture. You pat it on in the different areas to give you a dimensional look, and that's only going to appear on the top of the brick. Your your lines, in other words, your mortar lines, are still going to be the original color that you painted the entire thing. So that's the color you use for your base. After you've you know blotted on the, the other color, now you put a clear coat over the top of it that'll give it a little bit of sheen and you can pick the sheen you want but on top of that it just ties everything together to protect it and i i gotta tell you it comes out looking gorgeous and it doesn't take any any special tools or any special techniques as far as for blotting on the uh the colors you know the the paint on there on the original base coat just use your your brush on the blotting it on you can use either a sponge or cloth doesn't matter but you don't need to use a brush or anything like that and again just let it dry and go over it with a uh, a clear coat and you're done that simple and it'll look great holds up and it's very inexpensive to do 
You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 